Hiring the wrong executive costs you time and money. Leveraging work psychology, Spear Consulting helps you hire the right executive so you can focus on growing your business. For a free quote, visit spiritmco.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Tips for Team Building podcast, where our mission is to inspire and propel others along on their leadership journeys. I'm your host, Jaden Smith, and so excited to welcome today's guest, Sean Peterson. Uh, Sean, just thank you so much in advance for taking the time. For those who don't know you, we always like to start out with a softball. So, Sean, who are you? <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm Sean Peterson, currently Interim Director of Talent Strategies at BJC Healthcare. And so something just quick about BJC Healthcare is Washington, Florida, and state of Missouri, uh, divided up into 14 hospitals and uh, community health locations across Greater St. Louis and the Southern Illinois area. And so within Talent Strategies, I mean, we handle recruitment from everything um, from housekeepers to patient access to securities, all the way up to doctors, nurses, leadership, et cetera. Um, and so I currently own the uh, sourcing content strategy team, which is essentially the recruit marketing team. Um, it also includes our university recruitment team, our continued staffing team, our candidate experience team who handles onboarding, and then um, some of the work within talent strategies that um, relates to diversity, equity, inclusion, and how we're making sure we're in the community and, and making sure we're uh, opening up opportunities to to everybody um, across the uh, places we serve. Awesome, awesome, uh, and thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that overview. Uh, outside of work, Sean, uh, who who are you? What do you like to do? Sure. What are what are some of your hobbies? Like what what kind of yeah. keeps you keeps you motivated to uh, to do everything that you do at BJC? For sure. So I think uh, fitness is a big piece of it. Uh, it's funny actually. So pre-pandemic, just as a part-time job, I actually got my personal training license and worked at a gym part-time. And then the pandemic hit, and it was kind of like, well, better stay out of the gym uh, <laughs> because I have uh, two young daughters at home, so the four-year-old and a one-year-old. Um, and then between my wife and the dog, they take up most of my time. Uh, but uh, good family time and getting out with them as much as possible is uh, kind of where I live. Awesome. Awesome. And you, so you chatted through a little bit about your role at BJC and what that looks like, Sean, could you kind of give us a little bit of a, of a summary of how you've gotten into the position you're in today? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I think I'll probably start all the way back to when I first began with BJC, um, seven years ago. Um, so at the time the sourcing and content strategy team was just being built and it really wasn't anywhere near the iterations uh, that it is now. It was really just a team of sourcing advisors who um, were the ones that actually went out on LinkedIn, indeed, and actually did the direct outreach to candidates, did some pre-screens, then passed them to our recruiter to talent advisors. And that was really the, um, the purpose of the team. And so I started there as a sourcing advisor, sourcing specialist at the time, um, working in our high-volume space, uh, so like patient access, security, housekeeping, food service. Um, and then from there, I actually moved into uh, a, a recruitment events role. Um, so all, all of my, up until my, my recent role, all, all the movement that I've had has been within the sourcing and, and brand engagement team. Um, and so at the time, you know, it was pre-pandemic, and so we did all kinds of recruitment events. And so it was anything from like a career fair to a national conference. Um, or at the, at the time, we really kind of started piloting um, internal events. So whether it be like a hiring blitz day or a social networking event or career fair. Um, so a lot of those. And so 
did anywhere up to 250 to 300 events at the time. Um, and so I was managing everything from um, the marketing to the logistics, to registrations, to events inventory and et cetera. Um, and then from there, moved into our um, food marketing systems role. So essentially the administrative piece of um, our talent acquisition and talent strategies tech stack. Um, so at the time, like I said, that moved into the role right when we were moving from uh, one CRM to another. So we were we had Aperture when I started, and then we moved into telemetry. And so I jumped in mid implementation and had to take and implement telemetry. Um, but then, you know, also had yellow plus a little bit of the administrative work around LinkedIn and Indeed and, and uh, Facebook. And then from there, moved into um, the recruitment marketing supervisor role. And so at the time, I had two direct reports, one who was kind of more of our social digital specialist, and then the other one was uh, a backbone for me for my um, recruitment events role. From there, uh, moved into the manager for the sourcing and brand engagement team um, and sourcing and content strategy team now. Um, so we have the sourcing advisors plus the um, content strategy, branding, recruitment marketing piece. And then just in the last month, moved into the interim um, director of talent strategy role. Awesome. 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 And I think that, you know, obviously your, um, you know, focus being in talent strategies and you really just painted a picture um, in terms of like just the opportunity um, at BJC Healthcare. Yeah. Um, and the opportunity to to grow um, and kind of the investment that's made and and the people of BJC mm-hmm. uh, because you you've had a lot you've had a lot that you've been able to do in your in your time there so I, I think been fortunate <laughs> that, yes. that's wonderful that's wonderful so you know Sean obviously um, you don't I don't think you have those sorts of uh, advancement opportunities and the opportunity to lead people without like showcasing the ability to build relationships. So would Mm -hmm. love to hear kind of more of, you know, your approach as to how you build relationships as a leader. Yeah. I mean, I think, so one of the first things and I've unfortunately got away from recently and I need to pick it back up, but one of the things I was was doing when I had, um, last direct reports is really kind of like the during the first touch base and when I was hiring people actually even doing a little bit of the interview process but um, I think you know especially from a BJC internal mobility standpoint obviously you want to establish pretty early on of where people want to go professionally right and maybe it's within your team Maybe it's not. And I think, you know, the, one of the nice things about BJC is we are so large. We, there is so much opportunity to work with a lot of different teams and get exposure to a lot of different cool initiatives and projects. Um, so establishing, you know, what is it that you want to do? And then I think, you know, we as, as leaders have a responsibility to figure out how can we get somebody from A to B, whether it be using internal training or, or getting them exposure to different departments or, leveraging certifications or other degrees or whatever to get them over to where they want to go. Um, but then also thinking about like from a personal perspective, where do they want to go? Right. So it's like, you know, it can be as simple as like, I want to better myself and I want to go run a marathon or it's, I want to learn more about X, Y, Z or whatever. And so making sure that, you know, those who report to you also have the opportunity to grow themselves personally too. 
and um, keeping in mind that, you know, from a work-life balance perspective, give them the opportunity to, to grow in each area, um, whatever they do want to pursue. I love that. I love that. And just kind of, you know, an analogy that I use a lot on the podcast. So I'm going to use it again. And anyone, you know, if anyone does listen to every episode, they probably get sick and tired of me using it. But, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's so important to, you know, as you said, focus on the growth, not just professionally. Uh, Obviously, as leaders, that's what we're there for, kind of creating that pathway clearing obstacles to allow people to to reach their potential, but mm-hmm. then also like understanding that on a personal level. I think that like so many times people, I don't want to say so many times because I definitely like, you know, in the work that I do of like leadership recruiting have seen this like shift even in the conversations that I have, but mm-hmm. still have occasional conversations where it's like, oh, I don't get to know personally because they're there to do work and they're not there to be my friend and like this that and another and like so they kind of put up like a great wall of china between like the two like personal and professional when Mm -hmm. really it's like a chain link fence like you want some barrier um between the two obviously but like knowing that like the the wind blows and there's going to be movement so you really have to like invest in both both pieces to be successful in that in that way Agreed. Because I mean, I mean, really, as a leader, you're only as successful as your team, right? And so um, you've got to get them moving and engaged and, and, and headed towards the right direction. You, you provide guidance and recommendations around how to get there, but it's still up to them to take their piece of the work and get it done, which affects you as a leader and then affects your organization or, or whatever business that you're, uh, you're providing for. Yeah. Absolutely. So Sean, we kind of hit on your approach to building relationships and really kind of like your approach to building relationships with your team. Um, Would love to hear about like, you know, obviously in a, in a leadership role, you not just have your team, but you have other peers or supervisors or whoever it may be like other leaders within the organization and key stakeholders in the work that you do. Um, mm-hmm. Could you share a time where maybe you struggled to build a relationship initially with a key stakeholder and how you were able to overcome that? Sure. Um, I mean, I think anytime when you're working with, especially in healthcare, hiring leaders that maybe have had a negative experience with a predecessor or a negative experience with your department, there's going to be um, you know, the need to overcome any kind of historic perceptions or scenarios. And so I, I think, I don't know if there's any specific ones, but I think a lot of times, you know, recently we've been fortunate to really kind of build out our strategies and communications and transparency to, to build a lot more credibility within talent strategies. But I, mean, I think, you know, a, a year and a half ago, anytime that uh, we would have gone to the business or a hiring leader and, and tried to help them out, they it was a little bit of a hump to overcome in terms of what they expected from us. I mean, I think a lot of times there's hiring leaders who expected that we sat and posted positions and then just waited for candidates to come in. Right. <laughs> um, and so it, what, what it came down to is really providing visuals. And it's like, it's almost in a, in a sense that, you know, the, the virtual space helped us out because when you're working in a virtual space, it's like, you really have to have presentations or graphics or whatever you can to, to, to use as a basis for discussions. And so it became, Let's look at what we're doing. Let's look at the data that 
that um, shows that something is successful or not successful. If it's successful, great. Here's why it's successful. If it's not successful, here's the data. Here's the solution. Here's how we're going to adjust. We'll come back to you with the results of our adjustment after X, X Y, Z, right? Um, and it's, it, it's, it's using data, it's using strategies as a way to collaborate with those leaders um, and, and build a partnership as opposed to saying, we're going to come to the meeting and tell you what we've got, but we're going to come to the meeting and tell you how we're going to partner and get, get what you need. Um, and so we've been you know, really fortunate in that the last two years, we've started to really kind of build that narrative within BJC that talent strategy is here to help and uh, we're going to do everything that we can to, to fill your positions. Yeah, I love that. And I think that just, um, you know, like especially within healthcare and especially if you're, you know, obviously like, you know, business service line leaders are very like data driven, but then mm-hmm. also like physicians and providers are very data driven. So when you're mm-hmm. able to um, kind of like cater I don't even want to say cater to that because you should probably be using data anyways. But when you're able to kind of like use that as a bridge to say like, Hey, this is, this just shows what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, It it helps to paint that narrative, establish credibility, et cetera, like you said. Right. um, Which I think is so important. But I I think to your point around and catering too, though, is that you got to present the data in a way that's going to be relatable and understandable and digestible to the leader. Right. Like if I show them, impressions data from facebook well cool we got a million impressions <laughs> or whatever but like what does that mean right um and so it's figuring out from them too like when we present the data hey this is what you're looking for is this helpful is this understandable if it's not let's go back and readjust so that we can give you something that would benefit what you're looking for us to do yeah and i think that's such an important skill on leadership of just like knowing knowing your audience and knowing how to tailor the message to your audience because the right. presentation you give to one person uh, may have to be completely thrown out, redone, and, mm-hmm. you know, presented to a new leader. So yep. uh, that that's definitely makes sense. So, so Sean, as you're thinking about kind of your journey in leadership, um, the team that you support and lead, um, curious, uh, you know, with this next question, what, what do you feel is like a common misconception of you as a leader? Um. I think they're, well, I think with, with the newer teams that I have specifically don't know me as well yet, um, is that I unfortunately have a calendar when you go to busy search it is constantly blocked because um, there's meetings just all the time. And um, I, I think, uh, you know, if you look at that as a calendar, you look at a director type role, you're thinking that I may not have time for the day to day or questions that somebody might ask um but uh, you know I, I do and i think it's important to be able to be available to anybody that's on your team at any time that they would need something as as high level or as in the weeds as as possible um because that's that goes kind of goes back to the, the relationship piece of it right is that um you know you want to especially in the virtual space you never want to feel like you're out on an island doing your work you want to make sure that you have peers and your leaders there and available to to help you and give you support when you need. So I would say if there's any of my new teams listening to this, um, feel free to give me a chat or a text whenever you do need to see something. Yeah. Reach out, please. Um, (laughs) so as we're kind of like talking, as you, you know, kind of shared with like, 
you know, especially with virtual teams, it's important to feel like you're not on an island. Um, I think that a lot of organizations are, you know, just thinking of different ways to, you know, as the transition's being made from like in office roles to remote roles, kind of like identifying what roles can operate that way, what roles can operate hybrid. I think that one concern that, that some people have is like, how in the world am I going to keep people engaged? How am I going to like um, affect culture or like, you know, just keep people motivated um, if I'm not in person and, you know, they're hanging out in their sweatpants or whatever it may be. So, so Sean, what, what ways, you know, are you as a leader kind Mm -hmm. of like taking steps to engage staff remotely or like, what are some things that BJC as a whole is doing to engage kind of the virtual uh, working situation? I'll start with as as a whole, uh, because it's, it's it's relevant because we actually just had last week um, a all HR meeting. Um, we were actually, we were fortunate enough to actually get in the office together. There's 300 people within HR at BJC. So it's a pretty large room and we haven't done that in two years, given the pandemic, but as things are opening up and following the, the proper safety protocols, um, we were able to do so, which was nice. But, um, one of the presentations that one of our vice presidents gave, um, was kind of around a, let's create some swim lanes in terms of like when it's appropriate to do a meeting virtually or maybe when it's appropriate to not do a meeting at all sometimes just to give yourself some space and then when is it more appropriate to do um, a meeting in person right so it really came down to like anything in person like this again strategy or workflows or brainstorming or things where you know it's really a little bit tough to do over teams or zoom or whatever Um, that's when you gotta get in person so i think thinking about on a, on, a, on a regular cadence, when can you as a group or a team get together to sit down and strategize in a room for half a day or, or whatever? Because um, that kind of engagement is, is, is nice. But then I think, too, personally, and then what I'm doing with my teams is, let's do that. But then let's also establish like a in-person, out-of-work type of scenario, like whether it be happy hour or a team building event or, or something, again, just to see each other. Um, I mean, I think uh, I, I just had one with, with one of my newer teams last week, and there was a lot of people who just hadn't even met each other in person because they've been they've been virtual since they started. Um, and so I know that it was it was well received. And then lastly, the other thing I do too is um, I I don't engage as much as uh, as a leader because I think go back to your point of like that chain link fences. There has to be some kind of barriers, right? Um, but it's like I've I've got a team chat and i've got a, an all team chat and it's there for updates and, and and sharing but it's also there like i've got some pretty um extroverted team members and i kind of lean on them to help drive discussions and um and i you know i, I think some of these team chats are are out of control in the best way <laughs> but you can see that the camaraderie is there like you can vi- like visually see that you know the team is, is starting to build a little, a little of the community um and so i think you know, I'll keep it on the chat. And if I, if I don't notice that it's, it's like doing something for a few days, a few weeks, kind of go, like, Hey, we, <laughs> we throw something in there just to get some discussion going and um, just being intentional about utilizing technology, utilizing what we have from a virtual perspective. And it's funny, I just, I, as we're speaking here, here's a who, who's ready to party tomorrow. Yeah. That was just putting me all team <laughs> chat. And so that's perfect. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I think that like, I think that that 
might be where some some organizations or some leaders might fall flat is like seeing those as more like transactional tools of like, hey, did this project gets done? What's the update here? Like mm-hmm. very like transactional work focused. And it's like, why not just like, you know, talk about the football game you watched yesterday yep. or your weekend plans or whatever's mm-hmm. like just to, you know, throw out an icebreaker every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Of like, yep. <laughs> you know, yeah. what's going on? Hey, I just, yep. uh, you know, I booked uh, a dinner here. What's your favorite place to eat? Whatever it yeah. be, like just, just something to kind of like, you know, like you said, build that camaraderie. And mm-hmm. and I laughed when you said you were chatting through about how how some of your team members had never, you know, even met in person. And I yeah. I think back to uh, last year as a company, we took like a company retreat, um, like a company vacation, and everyone like flew in. Um, to the airport and like you know you've seen everyone on a zoom screen but you've seen them from like here up right mm-hmm, so like dude, when you see yeah. the full person and you're like how tall are they gonna be like mm-hmm. you know like who am yeah. i looking out for right so it's yeah. uh it, it's uh <laughs> definitely definitely uh important to have some in-person events you know as long as you're able to to just really be able to like strengthen those relationships that have already been established virtually yeah. And then the only other thing that I, I would add to it, and I need to do a better job of myself, and we've had a lot of discussions from an organization's perspective too, is his, his recognition too. And I'm not talking about like the big recognition. I mean, like, if, you know, somebody completes a big project or takes on a big initiative or whatever, like there's going to be some kind of larger system-wide initiative recognition that happens for whoever's, whoever's leading that project. However, especially in healthcare, when things are really, really tough, or really just in recruiting in general, um, you know, in the virtual space, you lose a lot of those like recognition for small wins, right? right. Like the just, Hey, good job. Hey, you know, whatever applause. Um, and so I think it's, it's also the leader being intentional about when somebody has that small win, making sure that they're either recognized by, by the leader or even recognized by their peers. Um, because it's, it's pretty impactful from an engagement perspective too. Yeah. No, I think that's that's a, a good reminder because I think it's always, like you said, I mean, big projects, it's like, of course, that's kind of going to come out. That's natural. That's kind of mm-hmm. like our traditional way of, you know, kind of uh, uh, approaching that. But like even the small attaboys or girls or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just like, hey, great job, uh, yeah. you know, like sourcing this many people. I know that's a challenging yeah. search, you know, yeah. like what, yeah. whatever it may be. I think that's mm-hmm. that's important. Um, so Sean, thinking about kind of, you know, like with your role, kind of including and incorporating kind of like the onboarding candidate experience, um, you know, pieces, I guess what, what do you think, um, is most important or maybe like the three most important things, like when onboarding someone to like you know, make them feel welcome and also like just have a successful onboarding in general. Yeah. So I think there's really two pieces to it. And I think we're doing one really, really well right now. And there's one that we probably need to build into our our repertoire. Um, And I think that the first one is, I mean, really when you're changing careers, it's, it's not ever an easy thing, right? It's something that you think about, you, you get nervous about, I mean, doing the interview process, the application process, it's like, it's a lot to think about. Um, and so it's really exciting when you, when you get that offer and accept it, then you have to think about, 
okay, how am I going to tell this person? I'm going to tell the boss. I'm going to transition. Okay. I, I got to do OC health. I got to do a drug screen. I got to do a background check. I got to do all this stuff to, you know, move from A to B. Um, and so the first piece of that is making those things that you have to do for an onboarding experience really, really easy for the candidate and make sure that they, we are providing them a fully transparent process in terms of how they're going to get into the organization. Right. So that piece, I think we do really, really well. Um, we've gotten a lot of good feedback from our candidates around like your onboard experience was really, really efficient. And, uh, yeah, I, I had everything I needed whenever I, whenever I started kind of thing. But the, the second piece of that is almost kind of going back to what we're talking about from an engagement perspective is like, we also need to be able to provide them that true experience of like, can we send them uh, a, a personal card or a touch point or something where it's like, not only are we going to make sure that your onboarding experience is as streamlined as possible, but we're also going to be really, really excited to bring you in our organization to make sure that you, um, you know, feel what our cultures and our values are and what our communications like so that by the time you step in the door, you've already got a really, really, really positive outlook on what the rest of your BJC career is going to be. Um, so that second piece where I think we're, we're building out and trying to think through how to, how to make it manageable and, and scalable. Have you been feeling unfulfilled? You want to be happy, but just continue to struggle. One of the best ways to experience joy is by caring for the homeless. A charity I've grown to love, River of Light, food rescues a million meals per year for the needy in Chicago. Imagine how that make you feel, knowing that you're helping feed children and veterans. To make a tax-deductible donation, visit riverlightchicago.org. Again, riverlightchicago.org. No one should go to bed hungry. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that like one thing that I've heard from from others that I've, you know, talked to on the podcast or just in networking in general is just like, like I talked to one leader who said that anytime there was a new hire, uh, you know, an anniversary, a birthday, whatever it was, just sending that person a card, like, mm -hmm. most, like not an email, not, not mm -hmm. a gift, not like yep. this, but a handwritten card. And that, you know, just kind of like thinking through what you said of like, uh, from how, how do you engage them and let them know the culture? I mean, maybe it's tasking the leaders of each service line of like, hey, when someone does onboard, you know, this is this is something that can be done, you know, mm -hmm. or maybe it's, you know, someone within HR, or maybe it's both, right? But just to kind of like, have that, like, that like it's so easy to send an email or do things electronically, but to actually like have someone who like hand wrote something mm -hmm. just shows like a different level of attention and, yep. you know, kind of commitment in that way. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it sounds so cheesy, but like if there's something that we can do where like the candidate goes, Hmm, was really thoughtful and it's, it's something so small, but it, and again, it kind of just portrays who we're trying to be as an organization too. Right. Right. Yeah. I think back to, um, my, um, my employer before my current, um, when I started there, I got like a little, it was like almost a, it was a, a note from the HR, like the HR, uh, manager or the, um, the recruitment manager. But then it was also just like a goodie bag of like, Hey, here are some branded like golf balls and tees. Here are some like, 
here's a bug, here's a tumbler. Like here's just like some little small gifts that don't really like, you know, from a cost perspective, don't really cost all that much. But like, to me, I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> like this, yeah. like, you know, like they, like they, you know, just thought enough about me to like, send me this gift. Like I I'm thrilled to get started. Mm -hmm. um, so definitely think that, you know, just kind of like, um, agreeing with what you're saying of just how important that is to just be like, Hmm, this is, this is different than what I've had yeah. before. Yep. So, um, so then, you know, now you, you've got them, you know, you've got team members in the door, um, you know, mm -hmm. they have a successful onboarding, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're a year in, like what's, what's most important to like retaining staff? Like what's kind of your, your strategy of just keeping folks engaged, keeping them, uh, within the organization. I mean, I think it's all the, all the things we talked about. Um, the, the recognition, the, you know, the being intentional, the managing the virtual space, putting a, a, a focus on personal growth, uh, in, in addition to professional growth. But, um, I think that the, the main thing is the, the transparency piece of it too. Um, and the, the building trust through doing those things. And so, I mean, really one of those things that I feel like I've, I've built up with, with, you know, one of my teams and working on it with the newer teams um, is that, that I've had a, this couple, like come up you know, a couple of times that the market is so variable and so so tight and better right now that it's like, really, if you're a recruiter, you're probably getting messages and, and LinkedIn and, and, and outreaches all the time. And so what I've kind of really said is, hey, look at team, if, if for whatever reason, if you're thinking about responding to a, a recruiter, or if you're thinking about clicking on the job alerts that you're getting, like, let's talk about it. Let's figure out, you know, what's going on. Is it work related? Is it pay? Is it, is it do you have a negative experience? Um, but I think it, it just builds that trust and camaraderie and, 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 and builds out the feeling that my leader has my back and is going to go to bat for me for whatever I need. Because um, I mean, you know, really, People, people quit leaders. They don't always quit jobs. Right. No, I, I think that's so, um, so true. Um, <laughs> you know, of just like, uh, yeah. I mean that that's, and you hear that all the time. So it almost becomes cliche, and people are like, oh, yeah, whatever. But it's like, no, that's like that's that's what every survey says. That's what mm -hmm. every you know like. If they're being honest, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, sometimes in the exit survey, it's easy to be like, oh, pay, like, I'm going to get more pay somewhere. Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. but what yeah. even made you like start to look to get more right. pay somewhere, right? Exactly. And, and yep. that's where it starts. So mm -hmm. as, when talking through kind of leadership and, and building relationships and building trust, I think that those like the relationship that you're able to build, the trust that you're able to build, um, then makes it. I don't want to say easier uh, to deliver critical feedback um, or constructive feedback, but mm -hmm. it at least um, allows that team member oftentimes to see where it's coming from. Um, sure. And it's coming from a place of care, right? And trying yeah. to help them get better and, yeah. and reach those goals that they've kind of identified. Um, but I'm sure that, you know, as, as a leader, um, you know, you've only gotten into the role that you're in. 
uh, right now and had all these opportunities at BJC because you've never messed up a conversation <laughs> like that. It's always right. been easy. It's just come, you know, yeah. like, no, just, uh, just kidding, you know, kind of to bring like, bring back to earth and kind of just chat through like, you know, the, the missteps that we make and how those like, those help us to improve, you know, going into the future. Um, mm -hmm. Can you maybe tell us about a time where you did misstep in a performance management conversation, mm -hmm. kind of a little bit of the situation, uh, obviously not disclosing like names or anything sure. like that, but like yeah. what, 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 what were you able to take away from it as a leader and how has it changed? Like how you approach those conversations uh, presently? Yeah. So I think, um, there's a few things and so, so that we don't get into specific examples and, and names, I can kind of just high level. And I, uh, I'll be honest, I'm still learning from my mistakes sometimes. Um, but I think, you know, one of the first things to think about is, and it sounds like it's so easy to do in theory, but the execution of it isn't, is giving feedback when it needs to be given. Right. I think it's, it's so easy sometimes for us to kind of go, ah, no big deal. We'll just tackle it later. And then a pattern becomes apparent, right? And then all of a sudden, when it becomes a big issue, you got to give somebody feedback and they're surprised by it, right? So it's like feedback, for the most part, you should never really be surprised about it from a leader going to their direct report perspective. Um, so I think it's, 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 it's really tackling it head on when something comes up. Um, and then, you know, the other thing that I, I tend to do as a leader that I'm working on myself is that uh, I tend to give people the benefit of the doubt too much. Um, and then I think it's, you know, recognizing that, okay, this is something that we really need to think through, we need to talk through, we need to find a solve for, or then it becomes like a performance improvement discussion and nobody really likes to be in that situation. Um, and then lastly, it's, it, it's coming at feedback with a, because if something goes wrong, you know, you hear feedback from, from, from somebody else or from another team, from another leader, you never know exactly what happened once you were there, right? So it's, it's coming at the feedback with a, and I hate to, I hate to say this because it's always, if I ever get this in an email, I'm always like cringe at it, but like it's a, it's a help me understand discussion, right? Like here's the feedback, give me your take, what happened? And then sometimes it totally makes sense, right? It's like, I understand. And then as a leader, I'm going to go back to whoever provided the feedback give them the rundown or maybe it's better for, you, for them to have that discussion with whoever provided the feedback depending on the scenario. Um, but then if it doesn't align with, you know, what happened and what should happen, it's okay. Well, here's what we should do differently. Here's what I want you to think about in a, in a similar situation, if it comes up in the future. Um, and then, you know, if, if a pattern does, uh, emerge it's it's taking the right disciplinary action to establish accountability and that piece of it is is i think the, the toughest piece of it as a as a leader yeah i mean kind of um you know so much of that resonated and i think that like you know ultimately like those conversations are never never easy um but they but they get easier as we were kind of saying, like when you build that trust, you build that relationship because then like it's known that it's coming from a positive place and it's not just mm -hmm. Sean being a jerk and like trying right. to like, you yeah. know, it's like, Hey, help, help me, help me help you, you know, yeah. where, where, where are we falling short? I think another thing that you highlighted was like, you know, one, just like 
coaching in the moment, which I think, you know, uh, is so important. I took a workshop once called coach right now, and it was like coach right now, or like coach right now. So it was kind Mm -hmm. of like a play on words, but you know, kind of the, the highlight was one, how to approach those conversations, but two, like how to approach them in the moment versus waiting. Um, until, until your frustration reaches, reaches a point where like, maybe Mm -hmm. you're not going into the conversation the best way. Mm -hmm. Um, and and I think, you know, lastly with, um, you know, kind of having those conversations and giving, giving the benefit of the doubt, you know, can definitely like, um, relate to that. And I, I think it's just so important. Like so many times I think where, where some people like fall flat in these conversations and I've definitely done it as well is trying to like sugarcoat with, with positive around kind of like the opportunity. And then Mm -hmm. at that point, it's just kind of watered down where like, if you're just very objective, this is Mm -hmm. what it is like. And then like you ask questions, help me understand what do you think you could have done differently? What could I do differently as your leader? Like, you know, you're going to have a much more productive conversation by just highlighting what you need to highlight versus mm-hmm. like letting your nerves of the situation or like potentially hurting someone's feelings, et cetera. Right. Like, you know, just yep. water it down so much that the message isn't there. Right. Right. And that's where, you know, kind of, again, comes back to that chain link fence, right? You have, to, you have to establish some swim lanes and some separation. And as much as you, you know, you want to be a partner and a colleague to those who report to you, you're still their leader. And so I think it's still making sure you establish those um, divisions so that when you're coming at a conversation like this, you're coming at them with as a leader and not as their friend. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think another, um, like another thing comes to mind that, that I had chatted with uh, another leader on the podcast a um, couple weeks ago, his episode released. And, you know, oftentimes I feel like, like I know as a, like as a team member, mm-hmm. I know if I'm not performing or I know if I'm not meeting expectations. Right. So like yes. I expect my leader to come talk to me about it. Right. Like, so if right. you as a leader push that off and then like, you know, your team member knows mm-hmm. and they're just like, they're just, you know, like doggy paddling in the water, trying to stay, stay afloat. Uh, yep you know, like you lose credibility as a leader when you don't address it because, right. because they may already know what the issue is or that yeah. at least an issue exists. Right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if you're those who report to you feel like, you know, you're somebody who's going to roll over, it's not going to, it's not going to go well either. Right. Right. So Sean, we've had just such a great discussion uh, today and think that, you know, in terms of, uh, wrapping it up. I think that was some good dialogue to, to finish up with. If people were kind of like just moved or inspired by, by the approach that you shared, um, want to like network with you, um, want to learn more about BJC and what you all are doing. Um, mm-hmm. how can people reach you? Yeah. So, I mean, more than LinkedIn, I'll be honest, like I'll give my, my email address. It's really easy. It's Sean.Peterson at BJC.org. Um, but then if you're wondering about BJC, so we actually, we, we do a lot of marketing campaigns, um, around, uh, one landing page and it's called bjcopportunity.org. Um, but it gives you like a really quick snapshot of just who we are, what we offer. And, uh, can you link you to, to all of the pages that we have in, in terms of open careers? Um, so other than that, I'm, you know, I'm always happy to reach out and network and answer any questions.
Awesome. So thank you so much, Sean, for being a guest on the Tips for Team Building podcast, where our mission is to inspire and propel others along in their leadership journeys. Really enjoyed the opportunity to reconnect with you uh, and to be able to share some wisdom with our audience today. Um, And, you know, just thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, no, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Tips for Team Building podcast, where we propel others along in their leadership journeys. If you enjoyed the show, would you please subscribe and leave a review wherever you listened? You can also visit www.spiritmco.com to find out more about how Spirit Consulting inspires virtuous leadership. We'll see you next time.